welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. I'm Richard, your announcer, coming to you again wherever you happen to be on this beautiful day. Biblical Truth Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 Resultant exhortation, encouragement, and our soul's assurance. The Bible teaches that prayer is the chief and perpetual exercise of faith. Prayer cannot help but express the hope and joy that are inevitably attached to faith. John Calvin Our purpose, igniting a growing, biblical, dynamic, sincere, soul-satisfying communion with our Savior. And now, once again, here's your host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the podcast host. We are rejoicing and trusting and praying, and admittedly a little bemused by the mysterious will of God. But we are called to walk by faith. And one of the verses that tells us that it comes from 2 Corinthians 5-7, where Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. In the context of this book and in this chapter, the seminal truth is, while we walk by faith, our road is full of groaning, longing, burdens from the flesh, and we long to be spiritually clothed, and yet we're given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as our pledge to be of good courage. That's the result of, even though the groaning and the longings are there, we have the Holy Spirit who encourages our souls. And then Paul, in the next few verses, foreshadows a fuller look, but in essence, our inner man that the Holy Spirit gave to us made us new creations. Our inner man groans while we wait for the promise. And the promise in the midst of our burdens is our final rest, our final true spiritual rest in heaven with God himself. And that is what our new inner man longs for. And sometimes we're baffled. We're a little bit confused about the endeavors. We want to walk a worthy walk and we want to do what God leads us to do, which for me, maybe the last couple of weeks especially, makes me wonder at God's leading. In the context of faith, I am praying that the Lord will have his will done through the podcast as we continue forward in what we would like to do. In that regard as well, I do need to thank you for your patience as we get these episodes out. And we're trusting, working by faith, that we want to be found occupied with what he has called us to do. All of us do, you and me both want to be doing what he has called us to do when he comes back, if he comes back in our lifetimes. And that's, again, common to all of us, but it's my ham-fisted way of attempting at this point to encourage you about doing the Master's work. Do what God has called you to do. And when you have some discouragement, remember by faith, he's asked you to spend those two talents, or how many other talents he's given you, ten, some of you, to the glory of his will. And so we do. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We do thank you that we have access to your throne room. We thank you, Holy God, 
that you planned our salvation. You chose us before the foundation of the world. You sent your Son at the very right time to give his life for your creation. And we just bow before you in humility, thanking you for that. And of those blessings, one of the greatest is we get to have a conversation with you in prayer as we wait for our ministries to be over, our course to be done, or you to come back. And so we do thank you for that. And we just bless you and praise you that you have given us examples as well through your word. And it's from your word that we learn And we learn because we long for you. When we long for that eternal life, not living forever, our souls are set to do that. But we long for eternal life, to be in your presence, with no sin between you and us, and even closer communion than we have now. But we do thank you that we're able to enjoy that close communion now. So I would pray that you would help us make that discipline of prayer so we will glorify you and seek your will and enjoy your presence, even in our earthly sojourn. We bow before you and we thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for your mercies and your grace to us. Do your will in the next few moments. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Once again, I do thank you for your patience and thank you for listening. We are looking. It occurred to me as I was going through the New Testament a few weeks ago now that when we look at Jesus and his disciples, and their conversation, that is actually a good example of prayer and how prayer works and how the conversation, the natural conversation we can have with Almighty God. And I do know I like a little more formal language than most, a little more archaic language. We've talked about that before than most. But our conversation should be as it would be with other people as well. And the disciples give us an example for that. That is why we're going to expand a little bit in our teaching in Matthew on Jesus Teaches Prayer to include some of the conversations Jesus had with his disciples as well. And that seemed to me pretty natural, a pretty intuitive way that we could listen to Jesus and his interaction with the disciples and expect the same conversation. And we talked about that a little bit last week with when with Peter, or last time with Peter, and as he cried out, Lord, save me. And we are just going to expand that as uh, a little as well as we go through. And when we talk about timing, I talked about that in the, before we prayed, when we talk about timing, today's episode is actually a fruit of his timing. This has taken a little while longer to get out, get out that I wanted, but I'm thankful that it did. In the last week or week and a half or so, I've been feeling a little down. And thank you, Jesus, my typical response anymore in those situations is to go to prayer and to be praying until he answers or shows me what I need to know. So I've been doing that the last 10 days or so. And as I was praying, a couple of things came came clear to me, especially as far as the, the podcast, but all my ministries as well. And one of them is that I worry too much about possible critiques of what I'm doing. And I need to stop that. One of my favorite responses, when people thank me for praying for them, I very often pull out a quote from Peter, from the King, the old King James Bible and the book of Acts, when Peter says to the man begging at the temple door, he doesn't say this. Well, no, he does say this. (laughs) He says, silver and gold have I none, 
but what I have I give to thee. And he reaches down and heals the man. And I love that because no matter where we are, any of us, no matter where we are with our with what we have, we do have something to share to the nations, and that is that Jesus Christ is their Savior. And in the case of you and me, what I have to share is what I know about prayer. The second thing I have is I have a knowledge of Scripture. I know what Scripture says, and I have a desire to help in any way I can in encouraging, exhorting, educating God's people, anyone I can come in contact with, to a growing biblical, dynamic, sincere, and soul-satisfying prayer life. I know you've heard that somewhere before. And and also a prayer life that glorifies Yahweh, the King of glory, Jesus, the Christ, our needed propitiation for our sins, and the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher and comforter, and our pledge of eternal life. And in 2 Corinthians 5, we would have read that. He is that pledge to us as well. That's what I want to do. That's what I have to offer, praying for people especially, and then going through this podcast. And that delay helped me kind of come back to that conclusion, come back to the roots, if you might uh, say, on this. And so our verse for today is the same in the same context. It's Matthew 14, 32 through 33. And this is Jesus and Peter. And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. And when I began to think about this passage, and think about this passage as part of the disciples' conversation, it's very true. It's a statement of worship, right? You are certainly God's Son. They spoke that that forth by what they had just seen. All the stuff, the storm, Peter, the storm being calmed, All those things rolled up together, and they couldn't help but say, you are certainly God's son if you can stop the storm. And I was thinking about that because there's there's a prayer that I call exclamatory prayer. The Puritans called it something else, but I substituted that word because English language has changed, and the word they use would not be appropriate, I don't think. But we are addressing today that exclamatory prayer. And this prayer was given some emphasis, like I said, by the Puritans. Roland Hill, a preacher, said, I like exclamatory prayer. It reaches heaven before the devil can get a shot at it. And again, my substitutionary word there is exclamatory. And William Perkins, who was a Puritan theologian of of pretty great note, he urged his pupils to pray continually through secret and inward exclamations of the heart. And I love that as well. And when we look at this passage today, Matthew 14, it's actually a perfect example of these prayers, these exclamatory prayers, when our souls are overwhelmed. We saw one last week, as I already mentioned, in Peter, Lord save me. And in Nehemiah 2, after his long prayer in Nehemiah 1, He's sad about the state of Jerusalem. He goes before the king, and his king at, and the king asks him, "Why are you sad? You're not sick. Why do you look the way you look?" Which would be an insult, probably, from anybody but the king. And then Nehemiah said he was very much afraid, and so he told the king why he was sad. And then the king said to Nehemiah, "What would you request?" And in that moment. It had to be an exclamatory prayer 
the Bible says, so I prayed, this is in Nehemiah's voice, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And we don't know what he prayed, but we know it was silent. He didn't pray it out loud. And obviously he asked the Lord for some help and some mercy. And he got that and he got to go back. So again, after his lengthy prayer in chapter one, he was startled by his king. What would you request? Seems to come out of the blue, but obviously they had a pretty good relationship. So Nehemiah prayed quickly, an exclamatory exclamatory prayer. Lord, I need to go. And of course, then the king let him go. And it's not a thoughtful or expected prayer. Neither Peter nor Nehemiah thought they would be calling out in the moment the way they called out, Lord, save me. When Peter got out of the water, I'm pretty sure he was confident. And after Nehemiah prayed, I don't think he had any idea that he was going to go before the king and be asked, what do you want? And in that, I was about to make make a mistake. And the delay in getting this episode done actually helped me see that mistake and helped me to take a better direction. So back to our text, though, here in Matthew 14, we have the disciples straining for fear in the storm. They were petrified by a ghost, which turned out to be Jesus. And they had to have gasped. They had to have watched Peter jump out of the boat and just kind of, what's going on? He jumped into the teeth of a storm. And then another, when his heart started to sink, they probably uttered something unintelligible themselves. And then they silently watched their Savior walk, still in the storm, calmly, back with Peter to the boat. And Mark adds the admonishment from Jesus as he was getting into the boat that Jesus said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat, and the storm stopped, and they said, you are the Son of God. And with all that went on in that faithful afternoon, they took his rebuke about their faith. They saw what he did in calming the storm. They saw what he did in walking on the water and taking and bringing Peter back to them. And for them, all the tumblers fell into place. You are the Son of God. And I would like to think that the disciples knew enough to make the connection from Psalm 107, 25 through 31. I would encourage you to read that. But it's this exact scenario, giving glory to Yahweh. And there's a couple great things. That song, there's a song called Haven of Rest, which derives itself from this psalm as well. But the connection is Jesus did in the New Testament what Yahweh did in the Old Testament. Another proof of his deity, which is also witnessed to when they said, you certainly are the Son of God after they saw that. I hope they knew that. They they knew that. But now we do because we have the Old and New Testaments. We do for sure. And this passage is also, for me, one of the best because it's the pinnacle of an exclamatory prayer. It's the voice of worship because Jesus, the Word of God in John 1.1, is the Son of God as he calls himself all the way through the New Testament, through the Gospels. When you see another one of these, these vibrant, quick prayers, when at the Transfiguration in Matthew 17, Peter says to Jesus and the rest of the disciples, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make a tabernacle, three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, and Elijah. And sometimes Peter catches flack for that. But my question is, what would you do in that circumstance if you... If you brought your eyes up and saw Jesus in his glory, Moses and Elijah, 
I think I would say as well, and you know you would, it is good for us to be here. Do we need to make some tabernacles? And this reference illustrates the mistake I was about to make. Because you might get, as I did, the idea from Perkins and Nehemiah that this exclamatory prayer that we're talking about is best a quiet prayer. And part of, it, part of that is because of my nature. I'm not naturally excessively demonstrative or overly excited. And I was about to go down that path. We have these exclamatory prayers, but they're internal prayers. But that's not true. Because Matthew here in our main text, Matthew 14, they didn't keep that to themselves. In Peter 17, 4, he didn't keep that to himself. Those public exclamatory prayers of excitement and wonder and even despair coming up, they're completely appropriate. And those extra few days as I was not feeling the best and pondering basically everything, it gave me time to realize the Bible is full of these explosive, spontaneous prayers. And I began to practice those, not exactly practice those, but for the lifting up of my own soul, I began to give those prayers in my mind, sometimes out, out loud when I'm alone, and it lifted my soul. And we have examples. I'm just going to go uh, through a little bit right here because they're all over the Bible. But Abraham, the very last time God came to Abraham and said that he's going to get a promised son, Abraham couldn't help himself. He said, oh, that Ishmael might live before the an exclamatory prayer. Look, Lord, I've got a boy. And his perspective was different than Sarah's and different than God's on Ishmael. It was his son. He loved him. For several years, he thought, maybe this is the promised one. Maybe this is my son, through which all these promises are going to happen. And then, of course, the Lord tells him, no, not Ishmael. You're going to get the son of promise that I have been promising you. But in his heart, Abraham couldn't help again but say, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He loved the boy. He could touch the boy. He could see the boy. He was right there. That's an exclamatory prayer. And for time's sake, we're going to look at Job, but only a couple of them, because Job is full of these declarations. Like I said, they're all over the Bible, but Job is full of them. In one five, we know he was a man of prayer. Read verse Job 1.5, and you'll see that he prayed for his children continually. But throughout this book, like Job 1.20 and 22, after all those things happened, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And at some point in your life, you have heard that, at least the very last phrase, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's an exclamatory prayer. A little later, one of the guys arguing with him, although he didn't say very much, Eliphaz, he didn't say very much that was true. He did say this that was true. In 5.7, he said, For man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. And how many of us have thought that same sort of thought right in the moment? We have, because it's true. Later, Job says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in sermons and exhortations. 
That's an exclamatory prayer. I don't care if he kills me. I'm hoping in God. Surely my Redeemer lives. I didn't look that one up, but that's one of them as well. And then one later in chapter 32, verses 36 and 7, that I know he he regretted later. He said this to God, and this has to be one of these exclamatory, spontaneous prayers. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. That means his burdens, his trial. I would bind it to myself like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. And this is the same guy, when this all started, who said, I wish I'd never been born. And then later, the next two exclamatory prayers you can find in chapter 40, especially verse 4. And I'm not going to read that one, but Job calls out to the Lord and calls himself insignificant. And then in Job 42, that's one of my favorites. Read that one through six. You'll be blessed. That's an exclamatory prayer. I know that thou canest do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Read that. You'll be blessed. So it's full in the Bible. And in the last few days, like I said, for the last week or two weeks, I have been feeling down. I'm not sure why, but I went to prayer, as I've told you just before. And then, especially in the last couple of days, I've decided to put this exclamatory praise into action because I didn't know what else to do. It's good that we remember and that we rehearse God's goodness. And spinning off of that, I just decided I'm going to consciously give those exclamations of God's goodness to my own heart anyway. Yesterday, I went to visit my mom. There's a lot of stuff going on there, but on my way... I just praised God for the great mom I had growing up, the great mom and dad. And I don't think about that often, but that is a special blessing. And this morning, I got up, started getting ready for the day and still feeling a little bit down. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, since that operation in April, I am almost 100% back. So I just, as I was shaving, just praised God right at the mirror. Thank you, Jesus. All those things that I never thought would end have ended. And then I went to the gym, and you know my practice is to work out, walk basically, and then walk around the gym and pray for every person I meet, or every person I see there, not that I meet. And as I was doing that, I found myself just lifting my hands much like an athlete does after they do something great on the field. And I was just praising God that I had the ability not only to come and work out, but the ability to walk around and pray for every person that they would receive from him exactly what they need. And lo and behold, there's an old phrase for you, my heart was lifted up. I left the gym rejoicing, praising God, and ready to do this episode, and ready to not say they should be quiet prayers, express them in whatever way the Holy Spirit leads you in the moment. What a glory to God. What a privilege it is to be able to rehearse spontaneously in the moment the things he's done. And I know rehearsing spontaneously. What I meant by rehearse was just exclaim, shout out, call out, in our hearts shout out what God has done, what he has done for your soul. Whatever joy or vexation or specific blessing or even specific desperate situation you are in, just like the Father, help thou my unbelief. An explanation of thanksgiving or despair, or even in our text, a 
a declaration of God's glory? Just like Job, I know that thou canst do all things. They said, surely you are the Son of God. They also rehearsed or spoke forth the attributes of God. Those things can lift our souls. They're appropriate and they can lift our souls. I just thought of another one just came to my mind. Thomas, doubting Thomas, the one who wouldn't believe until he saw him, saw Jesus resurrected. Once he did see him, he just worshiped and said, my Lord and my God. And you can take that to any cult person anywhere and say, if the Bible is true, which most of them will attest to, and you don't believe that Jesus is God, how can Thomas say, my Lord and my God? So it blesses us as well, but it blessed him. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. He said, you've seen me, you're blessed, you believe. More blessed is everyone who doesn't see me and believe. So those exclamatory prayers are key and unique. We don't go around shouting all the time, or at least I don't. And it does sound counterintuitive to practice them. But I have the last few days, those spontaneous prayers, a thought comes to mind. Thank you, Jesus, that you're healing me. Thank you, Jesus, that I can be at the gym. Thank you, Jesus, for my past and the way you provided, especially through my mom. I'm not yet courageous enough to yell or shout those out. But who knows, maybe I'll do that someday. But in the moment, whatever your circumstances, maybe try that. When something comes up positive, when you read your Bible or you see a circumstance, give God the glory. Praise Him or in your desperation, call to Him in the moment. And maybe when you read your Bible, some exclamatory prayers, they'll jump out at you from here on out. Like I said, you might give it a try. I am going to make a habit of that myself. It's been so uplifting the last few days. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for your will and your unfolding will. Holy God, I'm an old man. I have known you for a long time. Thank you for your word that in the contemplation and meditation of what you have told us, I have now another tool to lift my soul when I'm struggling with things. So I bless you and I thank you for that personally. I bless you and thank you for everyone who listens and just ask that they would see the value, if they don't already, of those exclamatory prayers. That is our conversation with you. One of the ways we pray without ceasing is to be mindful of you and everything you are done. Thank you for that gift. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing that to us. I do bless you and thank you that you lead us all in, into all truth and you give us what we need when we need it. Holy God, we bless you. We praise you. I do love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your mighty work and especially your mercies in us. Help your people become practiced in the art of prayer, in the discipline of prayer, and even today from this point on, especially in the exclamations of what you have done for our souls. We commit this time to you. We thank you again that we can follow your will and accomplish what you have asked us to do in just being faithful with putting those good works in front of us. Help us to enter into that joy even before we get to heaven. Help us to enter into that joy now of you as we pray. Glory to God, we do thank you and we bless you and we bow before you mostly 
most deeply in humility because of these gracious and wonderful gifts that we did not deserve and cannot attain without you and your power. Thank you once again, Father, for sending the Son and Holy Spirit for revealing the Son to us, to the eternal salvation of our souls. We pray this again because it is the will of our Messiah, Jesus, to give everything over to you in prayer by faith. Amen. Thank you once again for listening. As we go, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brethren, let's pray for one another.
Thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you at www.frponprayer.com or freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And for all your voiceover needs, go to richarddurrington.com or durringtonr at gmail.com. Keep your dial here for our next episode. And if you have a dial, you just might need an upgrade. For Fred and I, have yourself a prayerfully fun-filled day.